Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. I was immediately struck by the calm demeanour of Tom Martins on that call. Give me your address again, make sure I got it right. One six zero. Uh-huh. Answer three four. It's quite chilling to hear how calm he was talking to the dispatcher. What is your name? My name is Tom Martin. Both Tom and Molly Martins were trained in CPR, but they hadn't started CPR on Jason Corbett until they were told to do so. I'm certified. I, I just can't think. Okay, you have to stay calm. Let the training take over. One, two, three, four. The paramedics arrived to find a horrendous scene. Blood on the walls of the hallway. The bedroom was blood-soaked. A lamp had been knocked over. There was a concrete paving slab in the middle of the floor. There was a metal baseball bat, a Louisville slugger, which had blood stains on it. Yeah, just some of the horrendous stuff in the murder files. Jason Corbett, it was aired last night on Virgin Media and tells the story of Limerick man Jason Corbett's murder by Tom and Molly Martins in North Carolina. Uh, Both Tom and Molly Martins uh, are on release at the moment. They've been granted a retrial on uh, that. And uh, joining us is Nicola Talent of the Sunday World. She's the, the crime editor there and she also produced this documentary for Virgin Media and Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent um, who has joined us on this and other subjects before and has written a book on uh, this uh, whole case and you are both very welcome indeed and uh, Nicola, pretty harrowing stuff at times, you know, even for listeners here who are unfortunately all too acquainted with the graphic and terrible details of the murder of Limerick man Jason Corbett. Yeah, it's sort of unusual for us here to see the actual police files in America. This is part of the course in most investigations. Journalists would have access to a lot of these, uh, you know, crime scene videos, crime scene pictures, and also to the interviews that are carried out um, in the aftermath of of murder cases. So I think for us that has, you know, it's very graphic. And um, at the same time, it gives a really good insight into what's happening, what's gone on and what's happening in the hours after his his Jason's death. Yeah. And the whole case, um, um, Nicola, was extraordinary from start to finish, wasn't it? And, and we know the massive efforts uh, that the family here at home in Limerick had to make in terms of getting the kids back. And there were all sorts of things going on in the sea, behind the scenes throughout it all. And Tom Martins and his connection uh, to uh, the FBI through his time working there. I mean, every twist and turn imaginable. But at the heart of it, the brutal murder of an unfortunate Limerick man. This is it, and I suppose with the images of of Molly and the whole background story there, I mean, it did appear to start her relationship with Jason like a bit of a, a fairy tale for somebody who had, you know, been visited by so much tragedy so young. His first wife died of an asthma attack um, when those children were only 
a few months old and two, and he was he was left widowed. So, you know, I, I mean, the story just reads like a drama, but it's not. And exactly that at the heart of it was a very, very vicious crime, um, you know, a very bloodied crime scene. And then obviously the, um, you know, the, the questioning of the, the two suspects. Well, the two people who admitted killing him, they've admitted from the beginning killing him. She with a brick and he with a baseball bat. Um, they have suggested and stuck to the fact that they killed him in self-defence. Um, the state of North Carolina would disagree and their their trial, a second trial is due to go ahead. Ralph might be able to tell you a little bit more detail about when. Yeah, um, and we'll get to that in a second. We're trying to Nicola Talent of the Sunday World and she produced this documentary on Virgin Media that I'm sure many of our listeners watched last night. And uh, Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent is with us as well. He's written a book on this. Uh, and, you know, it, it absolutely underlines the old saying that truth is stranger than fiction, Ralph, doesn't it? The whole saga... Oh, I think it does. And I think the whole background to it is so tragic. I mean, here's, you know, a devoted husband who loses his wife in the most tragic of circumstances to an asthma attack. He's doing the very best he can for his two children. He's supported by a fantastic, devoted family in Limerick. And then into his life walks this young woman who appears to be the answer to the dreams in terms of looking after the kids. And it's a fairy tale romance, but he's not aware of her background. He's not aware of the mental health issues that are involved. He goes to the States and, you know, his life is taken by two people that he should have been able to trust. And the lies, the deception that the family in Limerick have been subjected to over the years is nothing short of appalling. And I mean, the one thing that struck me from, you know, the the program last night was that, you know, here's a family that are hoping and praying for justice. And six years down the tracks, they're essentially back at square one. They're facing into um, a whole retrial in the States. And the problem is that they now know, having gone through the first trial, which lasted for almost five weeks, they now know what's in, in, in front of them. And the chances are that any retrial will last longer than the first trial. And to complicate matters further, there's been no date put on that retrial. So they're hoping that it'll be in the, the, the middle part of 2022. But everything seems to be up in the air because Tom Mar- Martin's lead defence counsel, David Friedman, he actually was featured on the, the Virgin Media programme last night. He died two weeks ago. He, he, he was vaccinated, but he got a very bad dose of COVID-19 and died from complications. And everyone is now watching to see, well, is his death going to possibly stall um, the retrial proceedings? What's going to happen next? Right. And of course, the children involved here are older too now. Yeah, I mean, Jack celebrated his his 17th birthday last week. Uh, Sarah's um, 15. And when you look at the fact that those two children and the entire family have not been allowed closure, they've not been able to move on because they're caught in this judicial nightmare in the States where, yes, everyone is presumed to be innocent, but the system so far seems to have only worked in favour of Tom and Molly Martins in the States. And if you look at the fine margins that are involved, the North Carolina Court of Appeals overturned the conviction by just a two-to-one margin. And in the court, the Supreme Court, it was five votes to four. So it was the finest of fine margins where everyone was shocked 
Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been covering R- courts R- Ralph, for... I mean, what is the basis on which um, Tom and Molly Martins are currently on release and they have been granted a full retrial? Yeah, essentially, it's down to the fact that both the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court in North Carolina found that their ability to argue self-defence was unfairly restricted. And that was down to legal reasons. The trial judge, David Lee, who I have to say, I mean, I've covered I mean, court cases in, I think, four or five countries at this stage, and he would have to rank as one of the most scrupulously fair judges I have certainly ever come across. And I was astounded that, I mean, the courts interpreted it as this, but he made the decision that he wasn't going to allow statements made to social services uh, by the two children in North Carolina because those statements were directly contradicted by statements made in Ireland just a couple of weeks later. And he felt that if you were to allow one statement, you really had to allow the other. And the fairest thing to do was to just not allow them at all. And unfortunately, the higher courts interpreted that as unfairly restricting the ability of Tom and Molly Martins to argue self-defence, despite the fact as the documentary, Nicholas' documentary last night brilliantly brought across, was the fact that all of the forensic evidence contradicts any suggestion of self-defense because, you know, the very first blow apparently was struck while Jason Corbett was in bed. And if you look at the complete disparity between the injuries that he sustained and the total lack of injuries that were sustained by Tom and Molly Martins, I mean, there wasn't a scratch, there wasn't a bruise, there wasn't a cut on either Tom Martins or Molly Martins. Molly had a hair clip in place. She had a very, very fine filigree uh, bracelet on her hand. She admitted she had that on her hand throughout the incident. It wasn't bent, it wasn't torn, it wasn't broken. And yet you look at Jason Corbett and his injuries literally were indescribable. They were so horrific. Yeah. Um, Nicola, um, Ralph makes a very good point there that they are facing a full retrial here, aren't they, next mm-hmm. year, po- possibly next year? Yeah, I mean, look, it's horrendous. And then obviously, the, the you know, whatever the verdict is of that trial can be challenged again, which is what people do, by the way, whenever, um, you know, especially if they're found guilty uh, in a case of murder, they will go to prison, regroup with their lawyers and try and find a reason to go back and appeal it. That is just the way the justice system works in this country as well. But it is, it's horrendous. And I'm sure for the family, um, you know, when you if you looked at that documentary last night, and it's on the player for anybody who didn't see it, the Virgin Media player, but, um, you know, when you see the two of them in the aftermath, in the hours after the, the, the Jason's horrific death, and the confidence of Tom Martins, an ex-FBI agent, and... I I just saw him sort of trying to, like he was just really confident and and very cool and calm. And both of them had a very clear narrative to get across about what happened. And they sort of really tried to, um, you know, to kill Jason's reputation. You know, having having killed him in the house, they then were trying to accuse him of, uh, you know, of domestic abuse, which there was no backup evidence for of being drunk that night, which there was actually the opposite of that was, was found in the toxicology reports. He had very little alcohol in the system. And they tried to paint a picture of him really as being this very sort of aggressive, abusive man, which I don't think there's any evidence for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, the whole thing And no doubt that same narrative will play out again in a courtroom. 
because that is the same story that they've stuck to from the beginning and, and remain so. Yeah. And Ralph, you know, as we heard from the piece, the, the 911, as they call it, the emergency services call, the, we might call it here, 999. Um, I, I mean, Tom Martins did sound remarkably calm. Now, maybe people in shock do end up being that calm. I'm not saying I'm an expert in the area, but he did sound very calm. He did. I mean, there's a lot of things that turn on that phone call. Uh, number one is the timing of it because the paramedics who attended the scene made the point that Jason's body was cold to the touch and they had been assured that the incident had just happened. Whereas when they arrived, Jason's body was cold to the touch. One of the police officers noted that the blood spatters, that they were coagulating. So in other words, they had been there for some considerable period of time. The other thing that was pointed out was that if you listen to the full transcript of the call, the suggestion was made that essentially Tom and Molly were going along with the uh, operator, that they weren't really doing the level of intensive CPR that was demanded. And as I think, I'm sure, actually, I think I was the one that actually pointed it out, was they were both trained in CPR. They both, and Molly was certified, she was very involved in swimming clubs, so she was certified in CPR. And it didn't strike any of the two of them to attempt CPR until they were actually told to do so by the operator. And I mean, it was always the state's argument and the prosecution's argument during the case that they had deliberately stalled making the 911 call or the call to the police and the paramedics just to ensure that Jason was dead when they arrived. Okay. Uh, well, look, that's it. I mean, you know, we, we have to point out that they're they're facing a full retrial. So uh, that will have to go through before a verdict is uh, ultimately decided in this case um, because of, of the circumstances and what's gone on. Um, uh, but uh, it is undoubtedly a tragic, tragic case. Um, thank you both very much for joining us to tell us about it. As Nicola says, Nicola Talent of the Sunday World who produced that documentary for Virgin Media. It is available on the Virgin Media player and always good to talk to Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent who's also written a book on this case. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.